2: I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Shepards, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or robots and I'm here with my wonderful co-host n seven the legend and seven it's not just you and you and I this week we've got a special guest
3: yes we do yeah we have a special guest because um, we, we've got a special episode tonight yeah
2: so let's uh should we introduce the episode or the guest first usually usually I just jump right into it but we're gonna we're gonna make a decision together what do you think
3: I think we probably should let people know who's joining us tonight.
2: Okay. All right. All right. So for those of you who have listened to some of our patron episodes, you might remember a a Cloudy individual who has joined us in the past. <laughs> cloudy Atlas is here to join us to talk about a bunch of data, stats, numbers, percentages, pie charts. Cloudy, wh- wh- what are we doing? What, what are you doing here?
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, just a lot of data crunching. Get excited. Who's not in love with statistics?
2: Right, right. So I hear that you might do something with the statistics and numbers for a living?
4: Yeah, so basically my full-time real-life job is uh, marketing analytics. So anytime you go on a website, we know what you're doing, and my job is to make it a better experience sweet and crunch all those numbers
2: crunch those numbers yeah i used to run the uh, seo department at a marketing company so you and i probably did very similar things with the with the number crunching um but yeah welcome to the show i'm I'm glad you're able to join us this is going to be a really fun episode because we well i'll let i'll let n7 legend describe this you want to talk about you want to set this up for us well, we've got yeah. to share with everybody because this is, this is fun stuff. And you, yeah. you guys did more of this than I did. So I'm, I'm going to let you talk about it.
3: So this is yeah, this is really cool. If you're into numbers, if you're into data uh, as as am I, uh, then you're going to love this. So do you remember that Bioware survey that was released a while ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, they released it kind of shortly after Legendary Edition had dropped and it basically uh, quizzed people about how did they play the games? Uh, and what kind of choices did you make? Like sacrificing Ashley, sacrificing Caden, how, what percentage of us was choosing which, right? So they, they asked a lot of questions like that. Yeah. And we got some really interesting data out of that too. Yes, we did. Uh, we got a great insight into how the Mass Effect community actually plays these games because it's one thing to talk to a group of your friends, but it's not like your friends are a great sample you know what i mean right anecdotal evidence
2: is is uh, not particularly scientifically v- useful for a reason and that's because it's a limited pool it doesn't represent the greater full percentages of what's out there
3: right right exactly so you know the point was that Bioware survey asked us about how we played the game and it gave us results like the percentage of players that saved the council, uh, the percentage of players who maybe saved Ashley and maybe this percent wanted to romance Rex. okay didn't ask us how many uh actually wanted to romance rex how many turtle lovers we got
2: Um, everyone's a turtle lover
3: lover, right turtle lover turtle lover i i have a uh turtle lover in my own household she really really wants to romance rex wow yeah it's her first playthrough she she loves rex a lot um and i make
2: fun of uh you trying to kiss somebody with a beak i don't know how that (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. Well, Garrus. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But um and um, speaking
3: of of numbers, Garrus would be super into this episode because Garrus is constantly doing his calibrations. Uh, so we know Garrus loves his numbers. But basically we we saw that we looked at this Bioware survey that they released a while ago, and we decided to put out our own survey. So we made our own one because our listeners, our community is unique, I think. And I wanted to see if we could replicate the numbers that BioWare did, but we also, we did it for other reasons. And we publicized it about a week ago on Discord, in our Discord and through our Twitter account. And we got a lot of results, like nearly 200 respondents. That's not really, I didn't expect that many results in one week.
2: Yeah, that's like a statistically, actually valuable
3: number. Right. I was afraid yeah. that we might be left with such a sample size that was so small we wouldn't really be able to make extrapolations and analyses of that data. But but that's not what happened. And we saw some really surprising trends within those results.
2: Mm-hmm. OK, so we you know, obviously we learned a lot of things from the community about the decisions they made the game. Um, but before we get into that, why did we do this? What's what was the full rationale here?
3: Well, the simple answer to that is that we wanted to go one step further than BioWare did. Um, I saw a lot of the questions that BioWare put out, but I wanted more in-depth questions. You know, who sacrificed who on Vermeier is, is interesting. Um, but what about complex stats? Like, were people who favored Tali in Mass Effect 1 more or less likely to view Geth as people by the end of Mass Effect 3? Mm -hmm, Right? mm -hmm, So that's a pretty complex stat. Um, And and you can't really get that just from what Bioware gave us. Um, So I was interested in looking at detailed specific trends within individuals' answers. uh, And comparing those demographics and seeing some overlap or dissonance, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and I was talking about this whole trend with a few friends and listeners of this show, uh, and Cloudy Atlas here uh, basically asked me, "Well, why wonder when you could know?" Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing. That's that's but, definitely not I mean, how she phrased
2: it. But no, but it like it seems obvious when you just say it like that, right? Like, why not just find out, right? Right. But that's Um, the thing about genius things is that sometimes they seem like we should have come up with them on our own until somebody pipes up and says, why don't we just do this? And everyone goes, that's a genius idea. So my god why didn't i think of that why didn't we think of that yeah so thank
3: yeah. you, thank you <laughs> but but yes cloudy cloudy thought of this so this was cloudy's idea um and so she proposed that we do the survey and if i'm not mistaken when it comes to surveys like this cloudy you have some experience in this exact thing so can you tell us a little bit about your experience with stats with data uh surveys and your professional background
4: yeah, so in my current job, I do a lot of these surveys, but typically the answers are in like a hundred thousands. So yeah. a lot oh. of statistics, like significance there. Um, but I, yeah, I got to use uh, something from my degree, which I feel really grateful for. I did a lot of statistics in college, like up to the 400 levels. And like my favorite is Nash game theory and uh, like Bayesian. Those are my favorite kinds of uh, statistics in economics. Mm-hmm. But it's great to actually use this for something I love like mass effect and applying it there so So this is a real chance for me to nerd out in many ways
3: in your full-time job what 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 about statistics or what data wise really helps you nerd out like when when results come in which results is it that you're like oh hell yeah
4: (laughs) this is going to sound really bad uh it's when like the marketing tactics work Like we put in a new shiny button and now people are clicking it more. And like, those are the moments that we're just kind of like, we rub our marketing hands together and like Uh do like, (laughs) hey, laugh. Those are the moments that we get excited for. It's really mundane. It's not as fun as this.
2: (laughs) We increased click through rate by 0.7%. Yes. Yeah. But when it's like a hundred thousand people on a website, that's a legitimate number. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) man. That's yes. I I've been there. I've I've done that. I helped get more people to buy timeshares at disney world that was a that was a project um yeah so okay so now obviously you've got the chops what questions were on the survey i know that's probably what most people are wondering at this point they're like just get to the details already guys so what 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 do we have on here
4: Yeah, we had uh, 15 questions. Sam wrote. I think most or all of them. Uh, they mostly focused on like the relationships you had with the companions, not like the romantic in that sense, but like who did you bring? Uh, like if you did bring this person, did you romance them? Uh, like what pre-service history did you? Do? What psychological profile? It kind of like builds out your relationship to the team, who your shepherd was, and then like how they viewed the rest of the galaxy.
3: Okay.
4: Do
3: we want to read them out? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we can we can read them out. Um, I'll just go through them really quick. Um, So basically, like we said, uh, the first half of this survey was really about um, which squadmates you preferred. Uh, So the first question was, who do you bring on missions most often in Mass Effect 1? Followed by in Mass Effect 1, is that squadmate the person you romanced? And then, likewise, the same question from Aspect Two. And then, is that squad made the most, the person you romanced? And the same from Aspect Three. Uh, and then, is that squad made the most, uh, the person you romanced? And then, after that, well, what pre service history did you give to your shepherd? What psychological profile? And here's where it, we, we, take to, we took a little turn. I asked the question Are Geth people? I'm just, just getting yesterday? right to
2: it. Just like,
3: just yeah. right to it. Yeah. Yeah. Really controversial question. Are Geth people? And I just said yes or no. Like you can only answer yes or no. And then I followed that up with a question that occurred to me after I wrote Are Geth people? Is Edie a person? huh. Because I figured some people may have different answers to that because I thought about the way that I perceived Geth versus the way that I perceived Edie. And I thought, okay, well, let's make that one. And then while I was on the tone of AI, I thought this is a really relevant question. The next one, a very relevant question that we don't really ever hear vindicated from BioWare, like BioWare never actually, I don't know, they they don't ask it. The question is, should we trust the intelligence, the catalyst, the star child? Should we trust it? And there's just a yes or no to that one. Um, the next questions were, did the extended cut DLC make a difference in what ending you chose? And that was, of course, the DLC that came out after there was uproar after the Mass Effect three ending. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
3: and the extended cut DLC added some cinematics. Uh, it added, it fleshed out the endings. Basically that's, that's what the goal was. It was a free DLC, free download. Um, and then the three answers to that were yes, no, or I don't know, because I've only played the extended edition. Right, if you came in later, then that's what you would have gotten. Right, um, so basically, I was just in. I was interested in seeing how many people really made a difference there. Uh, and then the next question was, did you play Mass Effect before the Legendary Edition release? So did you play Mass Effect before twenty twenty one, basically? uh and did you like exploring uncharted worlds and doing side missions in mass effect one and which game of the series did those side missions and planet exploration the best now i left off andromeda for a reason uh because i wanted this first test to just be about the original trilogy we may have follow-up you know quizzes or tests in the future, surveys in the future, um, specifically dedicated to Andromeda. But there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely um, uh, an overlap and dissonance in the fan bases there. But anyway, you can tell we've included some of the questions in there about the backgrounds. And that was partially because of what we talked about a few weeks ago with Shepherds backgrounds, right? Um, I was very curious about the framework that people chose for their Shepherds. And what alignments they chose for their shepherds. If we're saying that Earthborn Ruthless was uh, chaotic evil, if we were saying that, I wanted to know how many people chose a chaotic evil shepherd. And were some alignments more likely to think certain ways? So, that being said let's let's discuss let's go through the results of those questions right yeah so i've got a a
2: screen here so if you're watching us live you'll be able to see some of the results show up or watching the actual video version of the podcast which is on our our youtube channel so you can check this out live but otherwise we'll do our best to describe the results for everyone who's listening on audio because that is the majority of our audience so here we go let's start this off so kick us off what's the
3: first question so, uh, yeah, the first question, like I said, and by the way, if anyone's curious about seeing the pie charts, like the, the results in pie chart form, we'll post these in the Discord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I'll pin it to the channel. Uh, but we're just going to read it here for this medium right now. But the first question, who do you bring on missions most often in Mass Effect 1? Without, before you look, Tom, did you have a guess oh. as to who? Oh, I was pretty sure who it would be. Right. Right. I, I think mean, it's, it doesn't the, come as any surprise.
2: Yeah. The popular characters are, tend to be the most popular characters. but uh, Right.
3: Yeah. Right. Although this one, you know, I will say the results for the Mass Effect 1 one were more egalitarian. They, were, they weren't so distorted. But anyway, Garrus was by far the most popular squad mate to bring on missions in Mass Effect 1. And then it mm-hmm. was followed by Liara. And then after that, it was tied between Tali and Rex. Uh, so the least two there were, uh, and Ashley, Ashley was only pulling in 6.3% of the answers, whereas Garrus was pulling in 34.1. Uh, and this, the follow-up question was, you know, is, is this the person that you romanced? You might be interested to know, you know, most people said no, but that's also, I was thinking, well, that's because he couldn't romance Garrus in Mass Effect 1, right? So, Mm. That's why. Yeah. Maybe. A full
2: third of the population would choose Garrus to bring, right? And so right. the percentages here are 58.5 said no for did you um, romance the squadmate you brought on your missions? And 41.5% said yes. So if you can't, if you bring Garrus, but you can't romance him, then that's going to automatically put you in the no category. And that's 58.5% of our audience, right?
3: So, yeah. And yeah. that, of course, is just, uh, you know, something that's only relevant to the first game for Garrus. Um, there's probably some Liara Mancers in there, too. Um, but when it comes to Mass Effect 2, who, who did people bring on missions the most? Garrus widened his lead, can, like, a lot. And well, 26%. I mean, like this huge is, margin. Yeah.
2: This is when he becomes basically Space Batman, though, right?
3: Yes, this is this so. is when Garrus evolves into Space Batman, and, and yeah, like like Cloudy said, a huge transition. Like he goes from thirty four percent of all of people's favorite squadmates to forty two percent for us, mm-hmm. and forty two percent. It's it's amazing that he widened his lead when there were more options in Mass Effect Two. There's twelve possible yeah. squadmates. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. You know, what's funny is that like I didn't default to Garrus because I I almost feel like the games make you want to pick him because you know that he's going to be good in a battle. Yeah, there's that feeling of like he's a badass. I'm going into a mission. I'm going to have to fight stuff. Bring somebody who's good at fighting with me seems to be kind of a default. Right. But it's not like the other characters aren't good in a fight, too. It's just there's something about Garrus that makes you go like. Well, he's the alien race that's also good at fighting, and he's a badass, and like he kind of compounds on itself, maybe?
3: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and that brings up a good a good point that um, I think me and my friends have been talking about a lot recently, which is uh, there are two types of players in Mass Effect. People who bring squad mates on for uh, pragmatic reasons, like what abilities are they going to have? Does it complement my own loadout? How How much easier is it going to make combat? And then there's also the people who bring them on, maybe just because of narrative reasons, because, mm-hmm. you know, some squad mates have different lines of dialogue that they have when you bring them on certain missions. Um, I just pick the ones so. with the coolest outfits. And then there's that. <laughs> and then there's who
2: looks the coolest? Who looks the coolest? OK, I want to be rolling into town or, or space stations or wherever I'm going with my badass looking posse with me. That's what I want. That's what I'm shooting for.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And you might be interested to know that uh, the answer to the first, uh, you know, in Mass Effect 1, is the squad you brought on the most missions, is that the person you romanced? The same question for Mass Effect 2, nearly identical percentages. 58.5% said no in Mass Effect 1. Uh, 60% said no in Mass Effect 2.
2: That's so strange to me, because I also would bring anybody who I was like, I would want to have more chance for conversations and like, you know, like your first playthrough, you don't know where the limitations are in the game. Right. You don't know, like, if this person comes with me on this mission, is that going to open up more options for me to have conversations with them, for our our relationship to continue? Like, you don't really know the first time you play where that stuff is, right? You play through a few times and you you, you know where that stuff happens, but... That yes. was my
3: exact train of thought. Yeah. My first playthrough.
2: Yeah. My, so my default, especially early on, was like, oh, no, bring the people I'm interested in with me so that I can get to know them better.
3: Right. I don't want to miss an opportunity here. Uh, yeah. 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 I totally get it. Um, however, these now, you know, in my opinion, when, when you have cross game statistics that basically vindicate each other like 58.5% said no the squad mate the favorite squad mate wasn't necessarily the person they romanced and then 60% in Mass Effect 2 and then in Mass Effect 3 the response is actually reversed that's the weird part Hmm. Um, but in Mass Effect 1 and 2 I think that there's an argument to be made that just because the person brought them on the most missions wasn't that doesn't mean that that's who they romanced yeah and so Garrus, while Garrus did pull in the largest percentage of the uh, you know, favorite squad made in Mass Effect 2, uh, you wanna take a stab without looking, you wanna take a stab at, at uh, who came in second?
2: I've already looked, so.
3: Oh right, right. I mean, like, <laughs> like well, you did send uh, this to
2: me before we did the show and say, "Hey Tom, there's <laughs> a bunch of stats you may want to check out before we do the show."
3: <laughs> that's that's fair. That's true. Well, I'll I'll, I'll just uh, pretend like that was an opportunity for all of our listeners to guess on their own. <laughs> yeah, it was listeners tally. guess uh, tally. There you go. Tally tally yeah. brought in fifteen point nine percent of the answers and then right behind tally was miranda miranda was a surprise to me i'm surprised that miranda was the third most popular um Hmm. and then there's a bunch of ones that are uh that are scattered in between there you know it is the dirty dozen in mass effect 2. but i will uh say that zaid and samara were the two most rare favorites Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah a lot of them came in sorry go ahead sorry i was just gonna say they both came in at one percent of our answers.
2: Yeah, a lot of them like Morden, 4%, Legion, 4%, Kasumi, 4%, Jack, 4%, Grunt, 5.1%. A lot of those are kind of all in the same range. Uh, Thane, 5.7%, but then you get like the tiny ones down here at the bottom. That Now, now, do you think that some of these didn't get brought on as much because they're connected to DLC or because they show up later in the story?
3: I think that makes sense for Zaid. But Kasumi was part of the same DLC release if I think, right? I think they were technically separate DLCs, but I think that it was the same time when they were released. Mm-hmm. But Kasumi constituted 4% of responses. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And uh, whereas Zaid is, of course, 1%. And Samara was not that late in the game when you recruit her. That's not... That's. It's like in the first half of the game, I think. Yeah. So kind of surprised about that. But I guess I get it because Samara's you know, a stoic monk.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. do you have any thoughts on these so far? We've been doing a lot of the talking, but I I really want to get your take on some of this.
4: Yeah, um, I was, you stole my thunder. I was going to talk about Samara and Zaid. The reason I never bring Samara, she's supposed to be like the most powerful biotic in the universe. She doesn't really show it. (laughs) She (laughs) just holds back. What are you doing? Well, like Jack is like roughly the same but i bring her because i like her dialogue so much more so she's worth it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i was also really surprised by miranda i i never bring her i mean she's pretty diverse at the beginning she's like biotic and like i see i'm clearly of the first group i bring people for reasons or my main reason is the best dialogue combos is it going to add interest to the story is it going to like Will they have an interesting take? Will these two characters interact really well? Like I'll replay missions just to hear certain combos. Like for Morden's recruitment, Grunt is one of the best people to bring. He is phenomenal.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for oh, st- yeah, for story reasons and things, yeah. Um, and see, that's the thing that occurs to me first, is I like, it's completely foreign to me to think, oh, this character has this ability and that's gonna help me in combat. Because I'm not worried about that when I play these games. Like the combat's fine. It's not. It's never to the point where I'm just like, oh god, this is so hard. And I, I guess I play on normal difficulty. It's not like I challenge myself and push it up higher. So I'm not thinking min max the combat. You know, like can I have somebody juggle somebody in the air and then somebody else shoots incendiary ammo and burns them while they're floating in the air and then like, like I'm not min maxing the damage I do. So I'm never thinking like which characters synergize well together in combat. I'm always thinking which ones make sense for the story or which ones make sense for the relationship I'm building or just which ones just look badass when we roll up to the spaceport let's it's one of those
3: yeah I totally totally get that Um, I I don't think I've ever brought grunt on Morden's mission though and something was brought to my attention in one of my streams the other day I've never brought Jack to Miranda's loyalty mission and uh, I think I need to because they have a very contentious relationship right um yeah like i said there's there's a bunch there's 12 different squad mates so if you'd like to see the pie chart we'll have it on the discord it's Um, it's up
2: on the screen i'm I'm, i've captured it so that people can see it on the
3: screen yeah um but yeah uh i wasn't really surprised that garrus took as much of the answers as he did i was surprised that thane didn't get more because thane's pretty badass i
2: feel like he's a sleeper hit though Like, but he's he's like, yeah, he's he's such a bad he's kind of the assassin, like the sneaky assassin character. And and those seem to be pretty popular in a lot of games. Right.
3: Right. Yeah, Um, I agree. Um, So moving on from Mass Effect 2 and then we've got Mass Effect 3. Uh, Cloudy, you want to tell us who raked in the most answers in Mass Effect 3?
4: Oh, I wonder who it is. It's a relatively unknown character, Garus. Yeah,
3: is that, is that how you <laughs> pronounce his name? Gar Gar Garus, gar- 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 Garus Garus Garus. Yeah. I think Garus Vakarian. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> totally it. Yeah, so. Of course, Mass Effect 3's squadmate list uh, compresses again, and so we don't have as many squadmates, not not as many potential squadmates. So I wasn't surprised that Garrus, again, stayed at uh, 40-some percent, but he actually grew a little bit more, even in Mass Effect 3. So now he constitutes 45% of answers for who you bring on missions most often. Um and there's also Liara. Liara's coming in right behind Garrus, right again, just like Mass Effect 1 uh, results. Um, and behind Liara, Tali. Uh, Liara stood at 21%, and uh, Tali was only at 13, well, 12.6%, to be exact.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're a bit more spread out in this one, too. We don't have that grouping of a bunch of them at a similar percentage. Like, the two closest are Caden and Javik at 8 or 74 respectively um right and then we have james at 2.3 and Edie at 3.4 kind of rounding out the, the low end here
3: and i agreed with that you know i liked Edie as a character but i never brought her on missions i don't know why i just i just didn't uh i was like mainly because she's the ship
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> there is that right yeah <laughs> like maybe she should stay on the ship
3: Pretty much Um, the most interesting statistic from this pair of questions, in my opinion, was that the like I mentioned earlier, the stats for is this squad mate, the person you romanced flipped like in Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2's questions uh, along those lines, it was uh, about 58.5 percent to 41.5. Right. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was. Uh, 60 to 40 percent and then it flips and now it's like 40 60 percent so so we have about 60 percent, 58.5 saying that this is the person that they romanced
2: it just took them two games to get through to the point that that we all already understand where you want to bring the ones that you like with you
3: yes yeah um i I, th- I have another theory though and granted <laughs> oh, okay. like maybe that's not it <laughs> i have a, i have another theory um and i could be totally wrong in fact most of our explanations for these are probably not going to be accurate because it's just we're just seeing the numbers we don't know why we're speculating um, yeah based on just right. numbers that,
2: that by the way this is how statistics kind of work is that you just have to make educated guesses about what what it actually means and do your right. best to figure it out so
3: And the more questions you ask, the better those guesses become. Mm -hmm. Um, But for for my theory is that it was Mass Effect 3. People realized the trilogy was coming to an end. People realized, because Bioware said, this is the final chapter of Shepard's saga, they wanted to spend as much time with those they loved as they could. And I'd like that to be the answer, because that's kind of a a sweet positive reflection on humanity. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that we don't actually value other people till we realize we're out of time.
3: Sure, <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was thinking about it in terms of at least we valued them then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, that's the better spin on it, right? Isn't that's like the sad version of every every sad story where like some some parent is on their deathbed and they're like, "I wish I would have spent more time with my family than working all these long hours for no," and you know, like no real goal you know that kind of kind of thing i feel like this is just one of those things that like we are reminded of all the time in stories but then we actually never actually change our lives and then make our lives differently anyway but maybe you're right maybe this is a reflection
3: of that yeah yeah i I think i think it very well i think it could be of uh but cloudy what do you think
4: yeah i'd have to agree i also think it helps that in three one of your companions talks a lot less about calibrations and the other one doesn't totally rebuff you from behind a desk and tell you to go away <laughs> it helps a little bit
3: that's very valid <laughs> that's very valid they, I think I think Bioware caught on to the fact that we wanted more interactions with our favorite squadmates and I think they did a good job of putting them in in most occasions um Yeah, except for people who romanced Jack. I will say people who romanced Jack in Mass Effect 3, uh, that's kind of left by the wayside until like some supplementary later DLC. But yeah, uh, that one's left by the wayside. But um, about romancing, not about romancing rather, uh, remember we talked about pre-service histories and backgrounds of (laughs) Shepard, the Shepard origins. uh, Yeah episodes we did well i was very curious how many what percentage of us actually chose what and it turns out that uh nearly half of us nearly half chose earthborn as the pre-service history
2: yeah that one dominates significantly over the other two
3: yeah i really honestly i i i expected something like a 33 percent split
2: yeah yeah, well, I guess Earthborn is the most relatable one to us, being that none of us have been in space, unless you're maybe a very small percentage of people who have also been to space and played this game. Um, but yeah, no, I guess that makes sense. So we've got we've got twenty five percent colonist and the twenty nine percent spacer, but then forty six Earthborn. So the other two are fairly even
3: yeah i i I think if we increase the sample size they'd become even more even that way but i bet earthborne would retain that large percentage of uh of of dominance when it comes to pre-service histories right so um just as a refresher we kind of deduced the pre-service history uh access down to the lawful neutral and chaotic access for Uh d and d alignments right and um i think we settled on colonists being neutral spacer being uh spacer being lawful and uh earthborn is chaotic so nearly half of us are chaotic
2: Uh, maybe that tracks that might be actually be real
3: That might at explain least, a lot about the world right now. <laughs> or at least in,
2: in the way we play our games.
3: I think that's, I think that's the key. Uh, in the way we play our games. We're so stuck in the rules in our day-to-day, right?
2: Right, right. There's a reason why when you play GTA, you drive over pedestrians for an hour. At least once while playing GTA. Everybody do play does GTA? it. Come on. <laughs> Everybody plays Grand Theft Auto at some point and goes, what happens if I just drive around on the sidewalks for an hour? And then you just, come on. Nobody does this? I have those? a question,
3: though. I, yeah, I've, I've definitely done some horrible things yeah. to NPCs in GTA. Or just like run up to people on the street and just
2: punch them and then run away.
3: I was going to say, right? have you gotten to a point in GTA where you do something and you're like, wow, that was really fucked up?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do it and then you're just like, and then you feel kind of bad about it. But then you're like, good thing this is just a video game and I would never do this in real life. You know. Right. That's but that's why that's why you can do it, because it's a video game, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cloudy's looking at us like we're crazy. So maybe maybe Cloudy doesn't do these things.
4: I drive around the city and see if I can follow the traffic lights. And drive yeah. like a normal person. So there fly. you and go. The
3: Lawful good. Lawful good Cloudy Atlas. Wow. There you go. Is um. this because
2: you don't do that in your regular life? So you do this in video games? Is that does that follow the same logic?
4: I mean I won worse driver at my high school.
2: Maybe you pra- practice. you're using it for practice. There you go. That's perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, okay. So back to the game. We've got the, um, yes. we've got the, where they came from, right? Pre-service history. What about the psych- psychological profile?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So this one was, the results were like way less egalitarian than I thought they would be. So Ruthless only got 7% of the answers. Ruthless only got 7%. And yeah. uh, Soul Survivor, got 44.9. War Hero got 47.7. So pretty even split there between Soul Survivor and uh, War Hero.
2: That makes a lot of sense, though, because Ruthless is very clearly the different option from the other two and does feel very dark in comparison.
3: It does, because when you hear Soul Survivor, you think, oh, wow, good for that person. They're the Soul Survivor. They made it out. Yeah, they survived, right? You hear War Hero, you think hero
2: good for them you know they they're the hero right but then you hear ruthless you, you read about it and you're like Ooh, that was a little dark
3: right you're like ruthless okay mm. that
2: person's the jerk the kind of person who plays grand theft auto and drives on the sidewalks
4: yes isn't it with, with ruthless you get like a little bit of a renegade bump too you get like five extra yes. points just to start with the background because isn't it like you committed a war crime
3: Yeah, that's true. You committed a war crime, a really tiny war crime, just a little like the equivalent
2: of a war crime of like, you know, choosing a dialogue option.
3: And the Alliance loves uh, their war criminals. Right. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) They do give they do give uh, Ruthless Shepherds the memorial flame on Torfin uh, for mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but even so, um, yeah, Ruthless gives you bonus, uh, renegade points to start and, uh, war hero does the same for Paragon. Soul survivor is neutral. Um, yeah. So,
2: so can we so, jump to this next one? Cause this next one's really interesting.
3: Yeah. This next one is really good. <laughs> and when I say really good, I mean a really interesting point. Um, the next question is Are geth people. And, um, I'll just let, I'll, I'll give a little bit of dead air Everybody so that guess. people can, every, everyone can guess, every right? guess. What's the split? Yes. No. What's the split? Uh, so I'll tell you the split is 85.7% of our respondents said, yes, get our people. 85.7%. Um, and that was kind of remarkable to me because, I, again, I, I expected something a little bit closer to 50-50. I, I didn't think 50-50, but I thought maybe maybe he's like 60-40.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, maybe it helps that you have a companion who is a Geth. So you get to actually like, meet them and interact with them. Um, I wonder if you were to do the same poll with people who play Fallout and you said are synths people. If you'd get similar numbers, because you do get companions who are synths. So you get to meet them, you know, actually befriend them and things. I wonder what the numbers would be, because having talked with people in that community, it, I feel like it's more split. Like like you're saying, it's probably more 50 50.
3: But I think that, I don't that know. probably speaks to the different fan bases. And I think it also speaks to the different. Um...
2: But I could be wrong because maybe my assumption is the same as your assumption going into this. And it would actually mm. skew more towards yes when
3: you actually look at the data. Right, maybe, maybe we're gonna have to put out more surveys like this about other games. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know, only, only 14.3% said no. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm not trying to shame anyone that said no. I'm sure you all have valid reasons for your own, you know, answers. Oh, sure. uh, it's not like has, this
2: is a black and white answer. It's not like we're right. told in the lore that, yes, these are
3: legitimate people. Like it's it's left up in the air for interpretation. for a reason. And by the way, I, I chose the, the, the subject of personhood because uh, the subject of personhood is actually legal thing Mm -hmm. like like uh, being defined a person is i know it sounds fucked up but like it's it's really it's a legal requirement are like yeah instead of three-fifths a person right (laughs) well instead of three-fifths a person but i'm also talking about like Like, for a long for a long time um when people were not defined as people, they didn't deserve equal rights. And it didn't just apply along racial borders and racial distinctions. It also applied to people who were mentally disabled. Mm-hmm. It also applied to women. Uh,
2: women didn't get rights women. the same way that men did, which means that they were
3: less of a person, which is totally, totally, totally messed to up. To some, like- to some degree, it still applies to children somewhere mm-hmm. like in, in different places. Um, so, The legal question of of personhood is a really interesting one Um, for all of our listeners. If you want to do like a, if you have time and you want to get into a really big wiki, uh, Wikipedia like rabbit hole, go for it. I'd say that's a that's a good one to get into. But that's if that's our geth people. Then we have the next question. Is Edie a person? Is Edie a person? And I wanted to make the distinction, like I said, because Edie, we get to know a lot more than we get to know Legion. Right. Yeah, and she's not part of a race of AI
2: that have a history that we know about and all of these things, right? So there is a distinction there.
3: Exactly. And Edie's not a hive mind. Mm -hmm. The Geth are. Mm -hmm. So there's some distinctions to be made there. And I wanted to know what the difference was. And guess what? There's a statistically meaningful difference between people who consider Geth people and people consider Edie a person. 90.3% of our respondents said yes, Edie is a person. So 5% more Cloudy, said Easy's person.
2: Cloudy, did you expect these answers for these two? What's your take on this?
4: Yeah, the Geth one doesn't really surprise me. Honestly, I thought they would be flipped. Like, I thought more people would think Edie wasn't a human than the Geth. Because, like, come on, the minute you see Legion do the cute little robot dance. Like, I was like, that's a man. Like, look at him go. (laughs) There's a boy
2: in that machine.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was like, that's a human. He's being a dork. Like, Uh um, Edie, like, she's a ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah yeah
4: yeah and like it's kind of like the consensus of like she's in her own head just asking questions and like apparently she's bothering joker so she has to shepherd questions well the like legion and the other geth can like reach consensus they can like have other units on the ground experiencing other things and be like what did you experience when you did this and like that can build personality and behavior and thought unlike edie who's in like an echo chamber of herself
2: yeah yeah interesting
3: Personally...
4: Might have been a little I, philosophical.
3: That's not statistics. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, cool, that's a cool take on it. That's Yeah, that's interesting. Personally, I expected the opposite. Because some of the questions and deep conversations that um, Edie gets into with Shepard are much more philosophical in nature, much more existential in nature than the questions and conversations Legion gets into with Shepard until the end. I'll give it that caveat. Um, but... And and therefore, I really think that the interaction with a human being humanizes Edie more. Like Edie yeah. learns how to be human more than Legion does, right? Because Legion, I don't think, interacts with humans as much as Edie does.
2: And, and you also have the hive mind thing. Like, if you right. is a hive mind able to be a person is a little bit tricky of a question, right? Because
3: they're collectively one,
2: right? But so they're not are one. They one person in many bodies like how does that work right but Edie is not as a complex of a question i mean yeah she's the ship but at the same time you get to know her she feels like a person yeah she's a person like that seems like a pretty short distance from question to answer right
3: hmm yeah and I asked this next one, this next question, not because I wanted to make us all into hypocrites, but that is what 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 happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm joking. Um, but the next question is, should we trust the intelligence, the star child, the catalyst? And uh, people can take wild guesses if they're listening at home what the results were for this one. But 75 uh, percent of our respondents said, no, we cannot trust the star child the intelligence the catalyst we cannot trust it surprising mm. since mm. it's a direct follow-up question after our geth people and is edia person because I'm, I'm i'm measuring basically i'm trying to measure sympathy for synthetics yeah
2: but the, the trusting them is a little bit bigger than just sympathy yes
3: yes you're, you're right <laughs> you're absolutely right and i think that these numbers uh confirm that um yeah And so 24.3% said, uh, yes, we can. That's still a meaningful statistic. That still means that one-fourth of us, roughly, feel like we can trust this catalyst, this star child. But it's interesting that 75% don't because it's it's a direct, uh, it's a narrator in the game.
2: I wonder if we had done this a year ago before you and I started really getting into the depths of this show. And then done this again if the conversations we've had in the show would have skewed
3: this in a direction hmm that's a really great question
2: like if people don't who don't listen to this show vote differently than people who do listen to the show because we do we, we delve into some of these deeper questions about these characters and these theories and things like that and I, my assumption would be if you haven't played if you've played through the game once or twice and you haven't thought that deeply about it, you probably are more likely to trust than if, you've, if you're somebody who's really been thinking about this a lot. You probably mm. start to really question some things.
3: Yeah, and I, I worded this: "Should we trust?" Not, um, not you know, is the Star Child right? Like I, didn't, I worded it: yeah. "Should we trust?" Because Bioware has come out and said that basically the Catalyst wasn't lying that Bioware came out and stood behind the narrative that they gave the Catalyst and Mm -hmm. and more or less said that the Catalyst was not an unreliable narrator but that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden trust the Catalyst right right yeah right solid
2: point All right. well we've got two more left right
3: Uh, we've got uh, a few more left actually and then we can get into some of the trends three
2: three more yeah Um, but
3: actually you know what Um, since we have more to discuss we could just go to the mid break now
2: Okay. Yeah, sounds good. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go over the rest of these and then some deeper insights about this, so be ready for that. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Message coming
0: in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. This
2: is a super awesome episode. I've been loving this. I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. And um, you know what else is super awesome? Our patrons. And we've got some new ones that joined us. Let's go over the list. I don't remember if we called out Jim R. and William last time. But if we did, you're getting called out twice. And then we also have uh, Lieutenant... To- Tokino Tosino? I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. And Cage Nephilim all signed up recently. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you so much for your support. We really do appreciate it. And um also thank you to all 48 of you. Oh, wow. Um and we got to shout out our our Commander Shepherd level patrons. Did you realize that we have 5 of them? Yeah,
3: that's a lot of shepherds.
2: That's a lot of shepherds. So uh, Captain Shanko, Apollo, Lieutenant Tosino, our newest Commander Shepard. Thanks for joining us on, on the Patreon. And then also Man Studios and William. Five, five Commander Shepherds. That's amazing, guys. So I'm not gonna take too much of your time here. If you guys know how this stuff goes, if you enjoy the show and you wanna help support us, if you wanna get t-shirts and ad-free episodes and all sorts of different stuff, different tiers give you different things, Go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the stuff and see if there's something there you want in a way that you can support us. We really do appreciate it. This helps both of us make a living. Uh, This is a side job. I mean, it's a side job, right? Let's just call it what it is. It's a side career. Maybe you'll become a full-time podcaster at some point. Uh, Sam and then it's my my full-time career as well. So it really does help support us So we really do appreciate it Also, we don't have any new uh, ratings or reviews to read out But if you do decide to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple podcasts We'll read it out on a future episode of the show and you can rate us on Spotify as well Five-star ratings really do help us out people are more likely to rate things when they're grumpy than when they love stuff so that's why we ask people to do it, because a little bit of a reminder might spur some motivation and it helps keep us higher in the rankings for when people search for podcasts. So we really do appreciate it. All right. Let's move on with the rest of the show, because we got so much more to talk about.
0: Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought.
2: we didn't know as much about these uh statistics as we thought is what we're learning um so all right so what's the next one
3: so the next one that we have uh is uh did the extended cut dlc make a difference in what ending you chose for the trilogy uh and i was curious about this because the extended cut fleshed out a lot right and um you know it 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 explained enough that i think it could have theoretically changed people's endings it did for me um Mm -hmm. and so the extended cut i think was a great move by bioware it came too late but anyway the results of this question were kind of I don't know. They're not that surprising, I, I think. But the, the really surprising part is the percentage of people who said that I've only played the game after the extended cut came out.
2: I think that which makes is... sense, though, with how long it's been since the games were released. The fact that there's a Legendary Edition now and the fact that they had um, Andromeda come out, which may have spurred more interest in going back and playing the original trilogy before they had the Legendary Edition come out. So I think there could be some justification
3: for that. Yeah, thirty six percent uh have only played the game after extended cut. Uh and forty two point three percent said that the extended cut did not make a difference in what ending they chose. Only twenty-one percent said it did. So it's kind of a surprising statistic to me that um people were people were pretty people wanted more information about the ending they had already chose I think that's what we are to get from that
2: yeah yeah what do you think not cloudy? that they were on the, on not that one? they were on the fence yeah yeah any thoughts on this one cloudy
4: Yeah, I had thoughts on this one, but it also ties into my thoughts about the next one because it looks statistically kind of weird, so it needs a little bit of explanation. Sure. The next question is, did you play Mass Effect before the Legendary Edition? And previously, the answer was, I've only played the Legendary Edition, was 63 respondents, and this one, it's 37% said, no, I never played this before the release. I think that looks confusing because it's all three games. It could be all three games. It could be that you played one and two before the Legendary Edition release and you never played the third ending. now it's finally all together so that's just like one thing of note like it looks weird and wrong but like Mm -hmm. i promise this is how it works out sometimes yeah because you have to include all the other possibilities
2: right right so this other question is did you play mass effect before the legendary edition release and 79 percent say yes but 21 percent said no
3: yeah, I think it's I think it's possible yeah. because we're asking about the extended cut, right? Which that was released I think within a year after the the first Mass or when Mass Effect Three was first released, uh, within a year I think the extended cut was released. Yeah, it was pretty but soon in,
2: after. It was it was pretty quick.
3: It's included in the Legendary Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes sense when we think about it like that. When we think about that. Um, The extended cut DLC, a lot of our diehard fans of the series had already finished the game by that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Do we want to move on to the next one or do you have any other thoughts on this?
3: Uh, We can move on to the next one. Um, So these next couple ones are ones that I, I wanted to know for my very own selfish reasons. Basically, uh, I'm a huge fan of completing Mass Effect 1 in total, like doing everything there is to do, wow. which means I'm a huge fan of going to all those Uncharted worlds, doing the side missions and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and doing that kind of thing. Um, not everyone is. <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of people who are like, dude, that is so boring. I can't stand it. It's so slow. Like, I just got to like, you know, pick up the pace a little bit. Let's keep the story going because the story is what's good. Right. And I get that. And I wanted to see where our community was. Um, So. 83% said that they do like exploring the Uncharted worlds and doing the side missions in Mass Effect 1. That is way higher than I thought it would be. I really thought that more people were going to say, no, it's kind of a bother.
2: Yeah, I also, I mean, we could justify it as, I want more game, so I keep playing. So this is the next thing I can do, because I I don't want to finish playing yet. Because at least there's more to do, you know?
3: Yeah yeah definitely um and uh so there's that question and then basically the follow-up question the follow-up question <laughs> it's, it's fine it, we can
2: it, we can hear the cooking sounds in the background but
3: yeah no I, don't, I don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something with a lot of steps i think um but she has to bring which,
2: some for the rest of the class though that's the that's the rule yeah she has to make enough for everybody
3: yeah um so basically the next the next question was which game of the series did side missions and planet exploration the best um and it was very evenly split <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the largest percentage said mass effect one which yes i feel vindicated because that was i i i agree completely mass effect one that is what it did the best the classic rpg elements you know like yeah. the, uh, go anywhere, explore anything, you right. know, do anything like that. Right. Um, so You also were 9. a
2: little bit less under the gun in that one. It wasn't on rails. Yeah. 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 By the time you get to three, especially, it's like, oh, God, got to get this done. Got to save everybody.
3: Yeah. The sense of urgency that the narrative creates in Mass Effect 3 really prevents people from feeling at ease enough to mm-hmm. feel like I can do all these side missions and not uh doom this population you know on this planet because i didn't act fast enough um yeah i agree um and maybe that's why mass effect 3 came in last because it came in at twenty five point seven percent, whereas mass effect 1 hit 38.9 percent that uh it did the side missions the best mass effect 2 was just behind mass effect 1 at 35.4 percent Um, so not sure if our sample size is large enough for that to be a meaningful statistical, you know, difference, but, um, it is what it is. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, those are the, uh, the results. Now I know we have some more, um, some more thought on this. I know you guys, Claudia, I know you've been thinking about this. I know Sam, you've been thinking about this. What else are some of the, what other takeaways can we get from the data here? Like what is, what else does this mean?
3: yeah uh so i i'm anxious to dive into some of more of these complex trends as well uh cloudy what were some of your favorite takeaways from the results of this survey
4: oh boy that's my favorite part it's like the part where we break out the red yarn and we like build the wall yeah. to it, and like draw the numbers so i feel like i like we already talked about garris but like it wouldn't be mass effective if people didn't incessantly talk about him so the one thing I broke down is forty two percent of people in Mass Effect 2 bring him. I wanted to suss out what percent who said, yes, that is the person I'm romancing,
0: mm-hmm.
4: said that. And it's uh forty-one percent of just the people who brought Garris the most are romancing him.
2: <laughs> wow. So of wow. uh, the people
4: who bring Garris the most, forty one percent of you are dating him.
2: And that means that they have to be a female shepherd instead of a male shepherd. So right. that's a pretty significant number then.
4: It is, yeah. And I checked it out for three, and the number goes up to 46%, which was a lot of the yeses.
3: <laughs> uh, that would also mean that the inverse, you know, would be that 59% uh, were were not romancing him but wanted to bring him anyway, right?
2: Or, so, or couldn't romance him because of just the limitations,
3: right? Yeah, right. Um, but that also, I think, is a good testament to how much of a bro Garris is. <laughs>
4: So. Yeah. And like speaking of the bro thing, I checked that out. It's twenty one percent of you said yes for all three games. Just Garrus yes, all three.
3: Garrus all the way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, one out of Ride five. Or die. Yeah.
4: Yeah. What is it? There's no shepherd without Vicarian? Or, I think <laughs> oh, I yeah. messed that up.
3: <laughs> there's no there's I'm no a... Vicarian without Shepherd?
4: Sure. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah. Um now that's Garrus very clearly the most broad mate across all three games, but the least ones was Zayed and Samara. Uh, what about you? Why didn't mm. you like Zayed? Me or Cloudy? For me?
4: Yeah, it was for me. <laughs> Cloudy? <laughs> Cloudy? Uh, it's not that I disliked him. I was just like, I just didn't really have an interest in bringing him. Like, I was like, like, this is the classic thing people harp on, but like, he's just another guy. He's another guy in space. Like, like, I would rather... If I'm going to bring a Heavy, I'm going to bring Grunt. Because Grunt is new, and he's a Krogan. He's interesting. I had nothing like, against Saeed. It was just, like, there were so many people. He just kind of fell by the wayside.
3: Yeah. So yeah, no, that. I agree. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot that stood out about Zaeed narratively. Um, and I think that there was a great disservice to Zaeed's character to have passive conversation with him when you're on the ship. Like... He just talks at you if you activate you know, the, the talk feature when you're talking to him on the ship, but it's not like an actual cutscene. So it's hard to consider him as important. Same with Kasumi.
2: Mm-hmm. What about Samara? Whoa. What do you guys think about Samara here?
3: Why is she so far down the list? Honestly, I, I really don't know. Uh, maybe I, my only thing I can think of is how stoic Samara is. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does kind of she's got that like badass
2: mom you don't want to piss off vibe which makes you want to go hang out with your friends and not bring her
4: maybe she does have a lot of confines so like she's a biotic so if you're playing on hardcore insanity or veteran you can't break through a lot of those armor and like barrier ticks like she can do biotic ones but she can't do like tech armor or just any of those things so that's just not helpful so she's not helpful for like hardcore gamers and then if you're renegade she does not like you do not bring her she will threaten you basically so she's there's quite a small group that would like find her useful that's that sounds really bad but like
2: but from a like a mechanical standpoint yeah 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 yeah. that makes sense
3: and james is also not exactly brought a lot
2: maybe just because another bro dude and people are looking for something in their space game that's more than just a bro, dude, right?
3: Yeah. What What is what is Polly D doing in fucking space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
2: I mean, I mean, if you're gonna play a space game with a bunch of cool characters and a bunch of aliens and robots and stuff, you know, like, aren't you gonna choose the more interesting ones than just like space bro?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the choices between space Batman mm-hmm. and. Uh, Cool, mysterious alien race that vanished fifty thousand years ago, and he has green biotics. Right, battle turtle buddies. Uh, yep, <laughs> all powerful shadow broker. Yeah, yeah, you've got a lot of really robotic. good choices. Yep. Yeah. Um, the ship, um, <laughs> <laughs> the ship in in humanoid body form, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the amazing engineer uh, Tally, of course. uh right and so like we're we're, and then there's then there's the situation
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right yeah it's kind of yeah i i, I totally get that
0: um, i feel
4: like best victory had a problem with like the class system like two there were too many squishy people like morden and kasumi and like all of them are very light and then three it was like garris is kind of chunky and then like james and javik and then like there's just like a lot of really heavyweight ones like you have a lot of like strong companions so it's like, well, it's which one of the muscly guys am I going to pick today? Yeah. Probably Garrett.
2: Yeah. How much testosterone right. do I want to smell on this mission? I can't imagine that Javik smells good. Musky.
0: <laughs>
2: Quite. <laughs> it's just his natural pheromones.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's got to be. Um, so enough about, enough about the squad mates. Cloudy, did you have anything that you noticed about the pre-service histories?
4: Yes, yeah, so I really broke this one down because you seemed really excited about the pre-service history kind of things. So I did a, an interesting breakdown of like if you had never played Legendary Edition, or Mass Effect before Legendary Edition, which is 21% of us, um, you were more likely to choose to be a sole survivor. Huh. So I was like, okay, that's a very common answer. But huh. if you had played Mass Effect previously, 52% of you chose to be a war hero this time. It's almost like you guys lived it once, like I already know what I'm doing, I'm a war hero, I'm ready for legendary edition. And I just found that just like very interesting.
2: I wonder if the fact that this game came out a different date, if the the state of our world affected people's choices. And the things mm. that have happened in the last what has it been, eight years between Mass Effect three? Longer than that. Ten years. Ten years. And Legendary Edition. Like a decade is a lot of time. A lot of things have happened in the last 10 years for people to be deciding, no, I don't want to be the war hero. I want to be the sole survivor. That might have some, that might say something about our world. Oh, I. Wait, opposite. Or
4: the opposite. So if you had never played uh, Mass Effect, you were more likely to be the sole survivor. If you had played it previously, you were more likely to be. Right. The, so the,
2: I don't want to be war the hero. war hero. I want oh, okay. to be the sole survivor, which, which now right. like in today's right. context. Yeah.
3: Oh, may, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. it's the pandemic. Maybe we all feel yeah. like soul survivors.
2: <laughs> right. Right. There might be something to it. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of the nature of things. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So what else? What else can you tell us?
4: Yeah. So I just did um, some other like cross reference ones. So if you were a colonist, you were most likely to be a sole survivor. This is a very popular answer. Don't be shocked by these. Um mm-hmm. Earthborn, once again, soul survivor, but for this one, the war hero was only two off. Like it was so close to being the war hero for earthborn. Hmm. And then for Spacer, not even a question. It was just all war heroes and like too ruthless.
2: Going oh, off yeah. I'm going off to space.
3: I'm gonna be the war hero. Lawful goods. Yeah. 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 Okay. That is I feel like that's the archetype sci fi hero, right? Spacer or war hero. Um so that 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 doesn't make that doesn't that doesn't surprise me that much
4: yeah for earthborn i'm not surprised with the soul survivor thing because it's kind of like you're from earth you're amongst aliens it's like and you're also alone amongst the humans you were the last of this group of humans and you were going up to space to represent humans as the first specter
3: yeah yeah yep um and i see here uh in the notes that you've you have written something about rex yeah what's this about rex
4: I was just curious because uh, Rex is like known for just being headstrong and just like ruthless, kind of. But I was curious who chooses Rex the most, and it was actually the war heroes. It was not even a question. It was like 70% of people who are war hero brought Rex along the most of your companions.
2: Wow, I mean, he is a he's like a walking tank, right? And so if you're kind of war-minded, you know, bring a big old, you know tank with you battle turtle buddy kind of makes sense right
3: <laughs> yeah I, I i guess it makes sense um especially if you're being lawful good then maybe you might identify most with someone who's like been you know whose race has been victimized by the genophage maybe that was part of it mm-hmm. um but rex is also just awesome so uh and then i see there's a likewise statistic about garris
4: Yeah, uh, that one I picked him because he has the most answers for most prolonged, but it was Soul Survivor as well. So Hmm. I think Soul Survivor is just like, if you had to take a guess, it's probably going to be that. I wanted to do Tally, but it was not very many people, so it wasn't significant.
3: Yeah, I I was looking at that as well. Um, And I wanted to be able to (laughs) give our our Tally Romancers, uh, who who are our listeners, that kind of satisfaction. But uh, we'll dig into some of those you know, really micro topics and in, in subsequent surveys, but I had a few fascinating takeaways that I found from some of the questions. If you said that geth are not people, chances are you are an earthborn shepherd. So oh. I found that pretty interesting. If uh-huh. you said that geth are not people, chances are you chose the chaotic alignment. Well, it also, it also feels more conservative. Yeah, yeah, I think right? it, it like, does. I'm an yeah.
2: Earthborn. I believe in humans. Geth is too far removed from humanity, so therefore, no, not people.
3: Yeah, and and honestly, this statistic was was uh, not like a close one. It wasn't like you know, uh, it was almost. Om- it's not like it was almost colonists or war heroes as well. No, this was like a two to one ratio inside the people who said no, Geth are not people. Overwhelmingly Earthborn Shepherds. Um, so interesting, but but very interesting to note that more than one third of those who said Geth are not people also said that Edie is a person. So it's very rare that anyone ever said yes, Edie's a person, but no, Geth aren't people. But the reverse of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's much more common. Uh, it's not, it's not you know, a majority. But, again, one-third, 33% of the people who said Geth are not people said Edie is a person.
2: Do you think it could be something as simple as the fact that Edie looks like more like a human?
3: It very well could be.
2: I mean, she's got, like, a person face, right? And I think like we as humans are pretty simple creatures like we, we are, are in the sense that our brains are trained to see faces in things you know like you look at the wood grain in a wall and you're like oh look there's a face there. there's two eyes or you look at a cloud and you're like oh there's a face in the clouds like our brains find faces because we're constantly looking for them because that's what our brains are programmed to do and the fact that she has a human like face seems like it would pull more at our emotional side to say okay well maybe she's a person
3: Hmm. And I think um, there was a there was a study released. I'm not sure by whom or how long ago, but the study, you may have seen this, suggested that human humanity prefers female voices for A.I.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And for instructions and anything, you know, like whether it's like, uh, you know, if you're riding in a car and the car says the door is ajar, we'd rather have Mm -hmm. a woman's voice than a man's voice. Um, But we also take orders from female voices better, too. In those kinds of situations we're more likely to follow through with the recommendations of a female AI voice than a male AI voice yeah strangely I don't know why yeah. that is, but it's it's one of those trends in humanity
3: I don't know why it is either maybe maybe it's just,
2: mother know. maybe because we all have mothers and we all associate it with a mo- like a motherly kind of I don't know
3: I honestly, my own my own thought is that for a long time in human history, men are were not the important thing for men was not to be likable. Yeah, it was to be dominant, right? Right, which kind of now just means you're an asshole, right?
2: Right. So let's let's flip that on its head, men. Let's be a little right. bit more likable and not be assholes. All right. Well, what else do we have here? What what other info do we got?
3: Yeah. Right. So I mentioned this a little bit ago, uh, but trust for the intelligence and the catalyst, uh, very low abysmal. Uh, but I was interested in the people who said, yes, we should trust the Catalyst. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the most common pattern we see in that question is a yes to questions about both Geth and Edie being people. So among people who said, yes, we should trust the Catalyst, they are most likely to say, yes, Geth are people and yes, Edie are people. Or yes, Edie's a person. Um, it was nearly unanimous only one person dissented so by the way i want to speak to that one person but <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's i, cool. I got to talk to the outlier um so there's a shared trust and empathy of non-organic beings there i think you can extrapolate that from yes they're people and then uh yes we should trust uh, maybe that's not the most surprising thing about it but it's interesting to me that people who would trust that conflict between organics and synthetics is inevitable they also view the synthetics as people, because that mm. is the ideology that the catalyst tells us. Right. And if you trust him, then or trust it. If you trust it, then you trust the ideology it's espousing, which is that the conflict between organics and synthetics is inevitable, and you know Shepherd's uh, presence there is a game changer. So if you trust that, you, but you're also viewing the synthetics as people, it's very interesting to me
2: well i mean traditionally we've had conflict with other people right so it kind of if synthetics are people then it would kind of follow that we would have conflict with other people and so synthetics are also people like
3: i don't know yeah but that i think uh the catalyst means on like a hard line scale like Mm -hmm. all synthetics all people yeah um yeah whereas like you know I think it would be a really shitty uh, ideology to say, um, you know, because people are always going to have conflicts with other people. We need to harvest them, and uh, yeah. yeah, you know, like or
2: or maybe this interpretation is just one step further than most people even think. Like one of the things that we find in humans very often is that we are very good at holding two opposite beliefs at the same time. Hmm. Like, we do this all the time. We, we don't make sure that all of our beliefs line up with the other beliefs we hold, and it's only when those two things are presented at the same time that we go, oh, wait a minute. Um, I wish I could come up with a good example, but I don't want to offend anyone. Well,
3: um, well, capital <laughs> capital punishment and those who proclaim to be pro-life. Sure, sure, yeah, they're, you know, or like, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, or we need to save the, you know, nature and And the environment but i'm also pro oil industry like right those two things don't actually work together but you have to take enough steps forward in both of them to then pair them up and go oh wait a minute these two things don't actually work right um so we're as humans we tend to be very inconsistent in these kinds of beliefs so maybe most people just haven't thought that far into it they just go ai looking thing i trust it ai looking thing i trust it ai looking thing i trust it without actually thinking about what the, the you know the third on that list is actually teaching yeah. us you know
3: yeah that's a good point um i'd love to hear some feedback from people about that one because i'm sure it's a very complex uh, series of thoughts that people have on that one um, interestingly though looking into the ruthless background which is rare. So I was really paying attention to outliers here. Uh, but the Ruthless background, which again only received 7% of respondents, the Ruthless background shepherds were more likely to say yes, the Geth and EDR people. But they were also less likely to trust the intelligence.
2: What? That's that's a weird <laughs> that's a weird combination.
4: I think it makes sense. It means that they believe they're people and people are liars
3: that that does make sense that's a great point uh (laughs) it's not a good thing that they're people (laughs) maybe yeah maybe yeah so i was i was surprised though that that ruthless would even characterize the synthetics as people because like among the ruthless background people they they literally just said yes yes geth and ed are people they're more likely to say that yeah you there would were think people they would that said
2: dehumanize no but. things rather than humanize them because that's right a typical trait of people who tend to be a little bit more antagonistic towards others is to dehumanize them so that you can justify the bad things you're doing right um that is interesting that's a that's an interesting
3: right? switch um, yeah but before anyone calls anyone that prefers playing as ruthless cold and unfeeling you should know <laughs> the ruthless ships were mo- were among the most likely groups that we surveyed the ruthless shepherds were among the most likely to enjoy exploring the side planets in the original trilogy
2: huh is that interesting for Domination Because you want to Take over the galaxy That's why
3: Of course Of course course. I didn't even How are you going to Take over
2: the galaxy If you don't explore it
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah exactly And now all of the
2: Ruthless ships are like Tom is the worst host I'm going to give him A one star rating
3: (laughs) (laughs) He's on to us Um, But yeah (laughs) That, that was uh that was the first survey that we put out and um i wanted to thank everyone who took part in that um can't believe so many of you gave us your time like that and uh gave us more statistically valid answers um and of course i wanted to thank cloudy for putting it together because again without uh cloudy this survey wouldn't have happened
2: yeah thanks cloudy
4: yeah of course this is uh like one of my favorite side hobbies and one of my favorite games so I loved doing
2: this awesome awesome any last uh last minute insights last kind of before we wrap up the show anything you didn't get to say that you want to you know slide in here at the end
4: about statistics or myself
2: statistics about about the you know doing this about the things that we've discovered about you know any surprises that you came across or just anything at all
4: um this is really fun. If I had my way, though, I would have made this like 50 questions. I would have made this so absurdly long, <laughs> which means I really want to do another one. And it's just so interesting. Oh, man, I love like you never expect people to behave the way they do. Yeah, it always surprises me. And that's that's why, the best part.
2: Yeah, that's why data is so important, is that the things that we think we know, we don't actually know until we actually test it, right? That's why it's so yeah. cool.
3: You're right. So speaking of more surveys, uh, yeah. I think it's safe to say that uh, we'll be putting out more. I'm not sure when, Uh, maybe when we wanna spread them out. Um, We'll see what kind of response this episode gets, uh, I guess. And, uh, but I am planning more anyway. And uh, uh, Cloudy, I know that you're already uh, been working on, I think an Andromeda specific one, right?
4: Yeah, I have an Andromeda specific one and then all the questions we couldn't fit on
3: this one. Yes. Cool. So cool. so if you uh, if you heard some, you know, some questions and you thought, "Hmm, that was almost what I wanted to know." Let us know. <laughs> or if you really wanted us to dig into one specific topic, let us know and you can do that by joining the uh, Robots Radio Discord and uh, giving us some feedback there or in a review.
2: Yeah, let us know. So Cloudy, do you have anything you want to share before we head out? Ways people can reach out to you?
4: Yeah, I'm in the Robots Radio Discord, and I'm Cloudy Atlas in there. And I also have a Twitter, Cloudy Atlas 22 where I post Mass Effect art. No statistics there, sadly. Just art.
2: <laughs> you could do statistic art. Is that a thing?
4: Maybe that AI art, art or it just like yeah. throws out stuff.
2: Yeah, art statistics. Mm, I don't know. Maybe we invented the thing. But thank you for joining us the, helping put this together. That was awesome sam you got anything you want to share before we go
3: um yeah uh i am streaming still of course every uh saturday monday and thursday uh i'm going to begin a dragon age playthrough my very first dragon (gasps) age playthrough very soon wait wait, you haven't played dragon age Uh, i played an hour or two of origins once and that's it
2: man are you starting with origins
3: yeah okay i mean it's it's an old game at this point but yes so good i'm gonna to have to brace myself i know it's old um so i'm playing that on pc and I'm, i will be streaming that on thursdays i'm not sure if i'm gonna start this thursday or the next one uh but of course sassy Shep saturdays is uh saturday evenings and uh mondays is uh it is miscellaneous but i've been playing a lot of modded fallout um cool and yeah. yeah, so if you're into any of that stuff or you just like to come chat, uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitch at in seven, the legend and uh, same handle on Twitter as well. Awesome. Yeah, Go check out his streams. I'm
2: uh, you guys know where my stuff is. The Robots Radio channels on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook. If you want to come check out my stuff other than the show. But if you want to join us for this show, Monday nights at 1030 Eastern in the evenings, not in the middle of the day. Um, But come come hang out with us. We'd love to see you guys in in the chat and watch all the conversations happen and call stuff out when we can. Um, I've got all of my other shows, all the different lore casts I do. The Lord of the Rings lore cast is going strong. Um, The Fallout lore cast, Elder Scrolls. Um, uh, uh, Witcher, we've got a bunch of stuff, and then all of the other shows on the Robots Radio Network, including our Rocket Club shows, which some of our patrons are a part of. You can find all that stuff over at robotsradio.net. Go check that stuff out. And guys, I uh, I've been streaming a little bit more lately. Today I was working on some songs. I've been writing music. I got a new guitar. It's behind me over there. You can see it on the wall. That just shows how big that, that Dova guy is behind me. Look how small that guitar looks compared to him. Holy crap. Um, but yeah, I've been playing some music. Got a bunch of cool stuff for my computer. Been writing music inspired by video games, which I think is going to be really cool. And I, I streamed some of it today. So come hang out with me. I, I don't know if I'm going to have a regular schedule on this, but I'll do it whenever I have the opportunity. I can make that stuff work. And then uh, my birthday is coming up. So this Saturday... I'm probably Saturday night. I'm going to have a stream and you guys are all welcome to come join me. We're going to play some games together, probably some Jackbox game, something that everybody can play. Right. Um, I'd love for you guys to come hang out with me on Saturday night, probably starting around 9 PM Eastern, something like that. So you're all welcome to come to my birthday party, but, uh, I'm going to be, there's one of the people in chat said, you're going to be 30 again. And I'm like, yep, I'm going to be 30 for the 13th time. So, there we go. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another episode. What are we talking about next week, Sam?
3: Next week, uh, we are returning. We've taken a few weeks off. Uh, we've taken a hiatus from the character episodes, but we are returning to them. Uh, and we are going to be covering none other than our favorite Alliance officer, besides Anderson, Admiral Hackett. Sweet.
2: <laughs> All right. we well, can't wait for that. We'll see you guys next time. And until then, stay safe in the universe and keep f- 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 filling out data. It's best ending yet. Here we go. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.